0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for 2017. We thank you for the year that you have given us breath, that you've given us minds to think, that you've given us minds to comprehend some of what your word says about your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray on this last day of this year that we may consider afresh what Christ has done and how you would have us live for your glory. Oh Lord, we pray that we may come to you in earnestness this morning, wanting to find out more about yourself, more about ourselves so that we can go into 2018 better equipped to serve you with gladness of heart and we pray this in jesus name amen well we've come to hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 this morning we had a bit of a break for christmas but we've been slowly working through hebrews chapter 12 and hebrews chapter 13 ...in our series after quite some break uh, before returning to it. And we looked at last time we were together about how we were to love others. Hebrews chapter 13 is basically a chapter where the author is now going to start giving different commands to the readers... ...as to how they are to live. Up until this point, uh, the author has been making very clear to the readers that Jesus Christ is the great high priest... ...that Jesus Christ is the one that you are to trust... It was originally written, we believe, to Jews who were thinking of leaving the Christian faith, of abandoning Jesus Christ and going back to Judaism. But the author has been clear that Jesus is the one that you are to follow. And so he has then started to elaborate on how we are to live as people who trust in Jesus Christ. And so in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 13, which is found on page 1194, if you've got a black church Bible, if you've brought your own, I encourage you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 1, we see that his first command to the people is that they are to keep on loving each other as brothers, that they are to keep on loving one another as brothers. And then last time I spoke, we looked at different vulnerable people that particularly need our love, that are mentioned in verses 2 and 3. In verse 2, we were encouraged to show hospitality, particularly to strangers. They're vulnerable people who often need our love. And then we're also to remember those in prison. We're meant to love those in prison as people who the world disdains and often does not show much love to. And so then we come to verse 4, where we see another way that we are to express love to those around us. How are we to love those around us? Well, verse 4 tells us that we are to honour marriage. Look with me at verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage should be honoured by all. This is an important subject for us to consider this morning, the honouring of marriage, because in our... Culture At the moment we have seen marriage in 2017 dishonoured with the introduction of same-sex marriage. It's very much at the forefront of our minds, particularly while well it was of mine and I know many of you, that 2018 is going to be a very different year for us in Australia as many so-called gay marriages will be celebrated again and again as the cooling-off period since the legislation comes in. They'd have to wait 30 days, but in January, there's going to be quite a number of gay marriages being celebrated in Australia, and they're going to be publicised in a great way. And this is a dishonouring of marriage. It says here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, that marriage should be honoured by all. But it's not being honoured in Australia with the same sex legislation that's come in. And we know this because the Bible is very clear in its teaching that marriage is to be between one man and one woman. And Jesus affirms that, that teaching that is there from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, which we just had read for us. But Jesus affirms it in Matthew chapter 19, where he speaks about marriage and he says, Haven't you read? He replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together let man not separate. He's speaking about the subject of divorce but he's very clear in presenting that marriage is to be between one man and one woman. So to define marriage as something other than what God has, has ordained is a dishonouring of marriage it's a breaking of what is commanded there in verse 4 of hebrews chapter 13 that marriage should be honored by all but why is it important to honor marriage well the verse explains why verse 4 says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for god will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral god will judge those who dishonor marriage. God is the great lawgiver, he's the judge, the jury and the executioner and God has indeed promised to punish those who break his law including laws about marriage. He will punish in this life often but definitely in the next those who break his laws. And so all those who helped gay marriage become legal in this country should be concerned when they read a verse like this that marriage should be honoured by all because God is judge. He will judge those who dishonour marriage. But same-sex marriage is not the only way that marriage is dishonoured. Here in the text, it actually gives ways other than same-sex marriage. uh, Same-sex marriage is very much prominent in our minds, but in the text it is not. What are the ways that marriage can be dishonoured according to verse 4? It says marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Sexual immorality, the defiling of the marriage bed, dishonours marriage as well. Sex before marriage and adulterous relationships, they all dishonour marriage. And Christians dishonour marriage in this way as well. Otherwise, the command wouldn't be there. If it wasn't a temptation for Christians, then there would be no need for verse 4 in your Bibles. But we know that Christians do have premarital sex. They do have adulterous relationships. They are tempted in this way, and so they do dishonor marriage as well. It's not just same-sex couples. They get married. that dishonor marriage. Christians dishonor marriage through adulterous relationships and illicit sex. But there's many other ways that marriage is dishonoured as well. The text is very clear there that there's sexual immorality that is at the forefront of the author's mind. But we may say, oh, well, I don't dishonour marriage. When I look at this text, I'm not interested in same-sex marriage. I'm not interested in adulterous relationships. I'm not in do- interested in sex before marriage. And so it's not a problem for me. I'd never dishonour marriage. I'm a nice Christian guy or girl. And so this text has no application to me. But there's many, many other ways that we dishonor marriage. If we take the very first part of this verse to heart, we recognize that we have all dishonored marriage. When we understand what God teaches about marriage, we recognize that we dishonor it quite frequently because to honor something is to consider it as costly or precious. That's what the word honor means. In other translations, other contexts, other uses of the word, it means to value something as costly and precious. And when you look at a lot of Christian marriages, we just focus on the Christian spouses to begin with, we see that it's not very clear that they consider marriage as costly and precious to them. There are many ways that Christian spouses dishonor marriage. One way is by the way that they speak to their spouses. By the way that you speak to your spouse can dishonor marriage using cutting words, name-calling, getting defensive at the slightest accusation. With your mouth, you can dishonor marriage all the time in your relationship with your spouse. It's amazing how some people will speak to those that they claim to love most of all. Dogs put some spouses to shame. Dogs put some spouses to shame. Why do I say that? Well, dogs know to bark at strangers, but not to their loved ones, not to their family members. I see this with dogs that I interact with. I don't have a dog, but I walk along the street and you see that someone will come home and the dog won't bark at them, so obviously they are a member of the family. But when I walk near that fence, they bark quite earnestly at me, and some of them I think, they, they have... A- Do dogs have a sense of humour? They seem to wait until you're really, really close before they bark. If I knew they were there, they bark at me from the other side of the street, then I'd be prepared. But they wait until you're completely oblivious to them and you're closest to them, and then they bark loudly at you. Dogs know to bark at strangers, but not at those that they love. But Christian spouses are often put to shame by the behavior of dogs. They bark at those that they love, they claim to love. But when it comes to strangers, oh, they are as nice as pie to a stranger, but not to their spouse. So the way that you speak to your spouse can dishonor marriage by the way that you speak with cutting words, name calling, the way that you do not speak of the love that you have for your spouse, it's amazing God speaks so lovingly of his spouse regularly but then some Christian spouses seem to think that oh yes it's okay for God to speak to his spouse in loving terms but it's not appropriate for me to ever tell my spouse that I love her or him. Some spouses never say thank you and they dishonor marriage that way as well. They never say thank you to their spouse for the help that they provide and the love that they give. They never say sorry if you honour someone and you've wronged them, you will say sorry. But some people seem to have a real problem in saying that word. Some people, I think, need an exercise to practice it, some homework each day, to just say the word sorry. Just say it to the mirror. Just get it coming out of the mouth regularly so that it's easy for them to do. Now, some people say sorry all the time, and so they, maybe they need to cut back on it. They say sorry about the slightest of things. But some people, it's like they just there's a physical block to actually say the word. And they need to practise. Kind of like with our children when we are on the way to Christmas gatherings, we got them to practise in the car saying thank you in anticipation of the gifts that would come. But they wouldn't just receive the gifts and say nothing, and just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I wanted this, and that's it. And then they'd forget about the person who gave it to them. No, we said, okay, say thank you, and then insert a name. Now try again, try with someone different. Thank you, in the car, all the way there, we're practising saying, Thank you, it coming out of the mouth. And some Christian spouses need to just practice saying the word sorry so that they stop dishonoring marriage in the home, so that they keep the command here in verse 4 of chapter 13 to honor marriage. Of course, the other way, one of the other ways that we can dishonor marriage with our mouth is by gossiping, by joking about marriage. People joke about marriage and they seem they're devaluing it. They're dishonoring it talking about it as a ball and chain you know it sounds funny but it's a dishonoring of one of the great covenant images that God has given us in this world so one of the ways that we can dishonor marriage is by speaking uh, badly another way number two is not providing for your spouse can dishonor marriage not providing financially for your spouse when you should but also not providing the time that you should be for your spouse, helping with daily jobs, just time to talk, just time for going over the things of the day together, time for sexual relationships. And some people don't provide time altogether. They end up walking out of the marriage, divorcing, walking away altogether. And so they dishonor marriage by not providing what they said they would in those marriage vows years earlier. Third way that we can dishonor marriage easily in the marriage relationships that we have as Christians is by fantasizing about someone other than your spouse. This dishonors marriage. This is where pornography is so evil in that it makes you fantasize that that is how your sex life should be. And so then many people have unrealistic expectations of their spouse as to what their marriage sexual relationship should be like because they've fantasised using pornography, and so they've dishonoured marriage. But it's not just pornography, it's fantasising with Hollywood films, which may have sex scenes in them or they may not, and popular fiction, where you get caught up in the storyline and you start to imagine being in that relationship with that person, not necessarily the sex scenes that go along with it, but imagining what it'd be like to be married to someone with such a gorgeous smile to someone who's always quick with the jokes and knows what to say in every situation, who has the wealth of Mr Darcy. As you read Pride and Prejudice for some young ladies, I think that, yes, they start to fantasise that that is what a true husband is like. He may be proud, he may be prejudiced, but at least he's got money. And so that is what I think a spouse should be like but it's a dishonouring of marriage because not everyone is like Mr. Darcy. Not every husband can have the gorgeous smile or be the comedian. And so it's a dishonouring of marriage to fantasise in that way. But it's not just fantasising with fiction, with pornography or Hollywood films or or popular books. We fantasise even with the real people that we see. This is the lustful looks that people have towards someone just walking on the street at the shopping mall. You fantasise about what it would be like to be with that person when it's not going to happen. And you're dishonouring marriage by doing so. So, first way was that we often dishonour marriages by the way that we speak, by not providing for our spouse. Thirdly, by fantafi- fantasising about someone who is not our spouse. Fourthly, another way is by allowing third parties to control the marriage, often dishonours marriage. Allowing third parties to control the marriage. Parents can dominate children and the children allow the mother-in-law, the father-in-law to get involved in the marriage. Or it could be that children come between the spouses, that the, ch- and the spouse allows a child to take precedence over a husband or wife, that you let friends tell you what you should or shouldn't do in the, in the home. Or that you allow finances or work to actually start to control the marriage. So often the case that people will choose to do what their boss wants at work rather than what their spouse wants. They actually put greater priority for their boss and it's often because they put money first and foremost in the relationship. I would say it's better to live in a caravan park with an honourable marriage than to live in a palace with a dishonourable marriage. We've got to be very careful about allowing third parties to control the marriage because it is a dishonouring of marriage. And then a fifth and last way that Christian spouses can dishonor marriage is by avoiding God-given roles in marriage. God gives us roles to help us as husband and wife in the home. And if we reject those roles and live in discord to them, we dishonor marriage. A dominating spouse dishonors marriage by physically, verbally, mentally abusing the other spouse but it can go the other way. There's a spectrum there, the dominating spouse or the weak, pathetic spouse who just allows everything in the home just to keep the peace, never says anything because they've become weak in the home and so they've dishonoured the role that they have. So that is Christian spouses. We can see quite clearly that marriage is often dishonoured by us by the way that we live in the home. But Christian singles can also Dishonor marriage. It's interesting what the text says there. Verse 4 says marriage should be honored by spouses. No, it says marriage should be honored by all, by everyone. And Christian singles can also dishonor marriage. They can avoid marriage for the wrong reasons and dishonor it. Choosing to live for self rather than consider maybe somebody else would be helped by me living with them for the rest of their life, that I might be able to be a blessing to somebody else. Some people I think really do choose to live for their own glory all their life and they know that if they get married they're going to have to start letting somebody else make decisions in their life. Or they joke about the pains of marriage. Christians, um, Christian singles can make jokes about such things. I even had a, a single person in my home the other week for dinner and they said I've got some good news and I said oh you've found a uh, uh, a wife, you, you're engaged, and the person sa- and this guy said, "Oh no, um, no, that would be bad news." He said, "No, no, no, good news." And uh, but it was this joke there that uh, it would be bad news to actually get married, and singles can dishonor marriages by making unnecessary demands on married couples, as in-laws, as fathers and mothers. We've got to be very careful if we let our children go, if we hand them over, if we give them away on that marriage on that wedding day then we've got to let them go. Or as friends, we can get overly involved in somebody's marriage or employers, single bosses can inflict pain upon the marriages of people that are under them by making unfair demands upon spouses. And children can cause pain within the marriage as well. I know this when we have date night, Jill and myself, we have date night once a week where we send the kids, they get dinner early, they go to bed, and then we have uh, some takeaway come in or a babysitter occasionally. Um, And so we sit there and we have a meal together. And the idea is that the children are not to be present. But it's not long before there's a little knock at the door as Jill and I are trying to have a nice quiet dinner together. Someone's got an issue, someone needs help, or someone's just written a nice story that they want to share with Mummy and daddy. And it's nice that they're writing stories in their free time But it's getting in the way of mummy and daddy having some time together. And so it's all too easy for people to get in the way, to make unrealistic demands, even if they're single, upon those who are married. Singles can also dishonor marriage by supporting churches that dishonor marriage. Some churches don't teach rightly about marriage. And if you're a single Christian and you attend such a church, you are supporting them as they continue to indoctrinate people in that way. What am I speaking about? Well, some churches wrongly teach about sex outside of marriage. They teach wrongly about divorce. They teach wrongly that marriage is only about children. Some even teach that polygamy is okay. And some churches are awful when it comes to marriage as well in the way that they forbid ministers to marry as though marriage is something dirty that clergy shouldn't get mixed up in. Some churches cover up the sexual sins of their pastors, which is an awful thing when it happens. I was just reading a book this week that I got for Christmas, written by someone who's been uh, decades in ministry, and he's got seven things that he regrets and seven things that he would do again. So seven things that he really regrets that he didn't do in his 40 years in ministry, and seven things that he says I'd do again if he had a do-over. What would he change and what would he do the same? And one of the things that he said that he would not do again is when an assistant minister, he found out, was having an adulterous relationship in the church. And he said to the man, you've got to go. You can't stay. You've got to find another church. A Couple months later, gets a call from another church saying, we've had an application from this man who's an assistant minister at your church. What do you say about him? A reference check? spoke glowingly of this assistant minister. And so the assistant minister left the church, went to the other church. A few years later, this senior minister finds out that he had another adulterous relationship with that church. Did the same thing all over again. Messed up another family. Some churches, some ministers, are very good at covering up the sins of the clergy. And Christian singles often support such churches by going along, by giving money, by giving support to their time. And so you dishonor marriage when you do that. Some churches that people support make high demands of their pastors and members so that married couples do not have enough time for one another. I've often been encouraged at this church, you've got to have more programs. Some people come in and they say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to have more programs all the time, adding more things. I'm like, if we do all these kinds of things, then people won't have time to spend evangelizing other people they won't have any contacts with people outside the church but also they don't have time if they're a married couple to spend time with one another and so churches can make high demands of their pastors and their members and by churches can be supported that dishonor marriage by they can be supported by singles in that they neglect praying for their couples for their married couples and neglect praying for their singles who are in temptation all the temptations that come with being single. And so churches should be looking after their members in prayer. Have you prayed for singles to find a spouse in your church? Have you prayed for the married couples in your church? Have you encouraged such prayer at your church? So singles can support such churches that dishonour marriage. And singles can also dishonour marriage by supporting politicians who dishonour marriage. Someone voted for the politicians who brought in no-fault divorce. I'm sure it wasn't just the spouses that wanted to divorce. I lots of people voted for those politicians. The politicians thought it was a right and good thing to do. And someone voted in favour of same-sex marriage in our own postal survey. And I'm sure it wasn't just spouses. I'm sure it wasn't just the couples that want to get married in the same-sex weddings. There were singles who did that. So clearly, marriage is under attack, and same-sex marriage is only the tip of the iceberg. There are many, many, many ways that marriage can be dishonoured. And we Christians, whether single or married, are all guilty of dishonouring marriage. We all deserve God's judgement upon us for dishonouring marriage. Christians certainly cannot get on their high horse about same-sex marriage and say, oh, look at them undermining marriage out there when we dishonor marriage so regularly, even within our own homes. And I must admit that I have failed to honor marriage as I should. I have a very good relationship with my wife, but I'm guilty of the things, many of the things that I've just mentioned about how Christians dishonor marriage. So this is where I say you have to try harder. You have to beat yourself up, atone for your sin of dishonouring marriage, and you have to work harder in 2018 to honour to marriage, as it says here. Is that what I'm supposed to say at this point? We've all dishonoured marriage. We need to buck up and be better at it in 2018. Singles and couples alike. No. What do we need to remember if we are to honour marriage? We need to fear the judgment of God about dishonoring marriage but then confess our sins and find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We need to remember that Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 has come after Hebrews chapter 1, particularly to chapter 10 where it's spoken again and again about the sufficiency of Christ to forgive us of all our sins. His sacrifice is indeed sufficient for our sins. We can't offer anything to atone for our dishonouring of marriage but Christ can and he has if you trust in him and so we need to come before God when we look at a text like this and say God I'm sorry that I haven't honoured marriage as I should have please forgive me and if you're not a Christian I encourage you to do that this day if you've never done it before, if you've never confessed your sin, if your conscience has been pricked as we've been looking at how we have all dishonoured marriage, confess it to Jesus Christ now and ask for forgiveness. And then once you've done that, work at honouring marriage by getting your motivation right. What has is dishonoured marriage most in our culture? Is forgetting what Christ has done. People in Australian society, they've forgotten about Jesus Christ. The authority for our culture as to what is right or wrong is whatever feels good. And so it's not surprising that same-sex marriage is now legal in our country. That's their authority. What feels good is right. What feels bad is wrong. Whereas we understand that whatever is right for Christ is right and whatever is wrong for Christ is wrong. And so if people... Had believed that Jesus Christ was their great high priest, as is proclaimed in chapters 1 to 10 of Hebrews, same sex marriage wouldn't be legal in our country. The problem with our society is not that they've lost their morality in the t- terms of they, they, they just don't think rightly anymore, they don't know what's right and wrong, they've lost a the love for Jesus Christ. That is the core problem of our society people of our culture, and us included, we need to read Hebrews 1 to 10 more often and understand what it is, that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. The Bible, If you want to do better at honouring marriage, then you need to look at what God has done before you look at what you must do. This is the way the Bible always operates. It tells you firstly what God has done and then tells you, because of what God has done, this is what you must do. It never starts with, you must do first. That is the teaching of Christian liberalism. You just keep telling people again and again, honour marriage, honour marriage, honour marriage, it's a good thing to do. Honour marriage, honour marriage, honour marriage. But with no reason for honouring marriage, other than it's a good thing to do. And eventually, they start to say, honour same-sex marriage, because they've got no grounding. For why they do what they do whereas we as christians know that we operate differently that because god has redeemed us then we do because of what christ has done then we do because god has created us then we do that's how the bible starts in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth starts with an indicative what god has done and then leads to what we must do so if you love Christ as your great high priest, then marriage will be honoured more and by, more by you naturally. Yes, when we speak of nature, usually we think of the sinful nature. But we have a new nature in Jesus Christ as well. And if you love Jesus Christ, then you start to honour marriage naturally. You start to do what he wants naturally. And if you do not honour marriage If you dishonor marriage, then it's a helpful indicator that you're not saved. And that's what this text is really pressing upon you to consider. Do I do what verse 4 says, and so therefore do I face a judge one day? If you support same-sex marriage, something is wrong with your view of Christ. If you belittle your spouse regularly and think nothing of it, something is wrong with your view of Christ. If you have no problem with looking at pornography on your computer, something is wrong with your view of Christ. You're actually unsaved. That's what these rules are there for, is to help us to glorify God, but also to diagnose whether we're actually in the body of Christ. Whether we have believed what Hebrews 1 through chapter 10 has been speaking about. These things that are listed in chapter 13 again and again help us to understand if we really are saved by the way that we see them happening in our lives. So how can you honour marriage? How can you keep yourself from dishonouring marriage? Fear God and love Christ. Fear God and love Christ, the true bridegroom. And the more you love Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins, the more you will honour marriage and do those things that I've listed here today, that dishonour marriage, you'll avoid those things and you'll do what is right because you love the great King of Kings. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a great motivation for honouring marriage and that is because we have seen what Jesus Christ has done for us. O oh Lord, we pray that we would take great joy in honouring marriage because we know the joy of the forgiveness of sins through the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who was slain for us. And so it is something that we delight in, to do what is right in his eyes. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for all the times that we have dishonoured marriage, that we have not treated our spouses as we should, That as singles, we have done things that affect the marriages around us in a bad way. So, Lord, we pray that you would indeed forgive us through Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray that we would go out afresh, knowing that we have a clean slate. And so then seek to do what he asks. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.